welcome to Model View Conversation, America's premier tech education podcast. I am Brian Gates. And I'm Ben Golke. And this week, Ben is only one of the Golkeys that we have on the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Hey, Brian and Ben, how you guys doing? So you are officially now our most uh, frequent guest on Model View Conversation. How's it feel? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a pretty special honor. I'm looking forward to my, uh, to my uh, plaque. As Steve Martin is to Saturday Night Live, so Joe Golke is to Model View Conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. that's right. The plaque's in the mail, by the way. So <laughs> expect expect that soon. Uh, so today we wanted to chat with my dad and talk to him about his an update uh, on his job search. As you may have heard from a couple episodes ago, he's in the process of looking for a new job and doing so for the first time in over twenty years. So he's got uh, some advice, hopefully, to give and some uh, some thoughts and observations about what it's been like to be a you know very senior level person but someone who hasn't been in the kind of interview game in a little while and and how that has gone so maybe if what we could do first uh might well i, I don't i don't know if i should call you joe or <laughs> but i'll just call you joe so uh i'll call it i'll maybe call first you, what you could okay there we that'll go be that'll work. <laughs> it'll be backwards uh so what we could do first is just get an update from you on uh how the job search has been going i checked uh the last time you were on was in november so it's been a couple of months yeah so so uh when i was on in november uh we had just really just learned that that the um the contract the, the prime contractor for the project that i work on had been disqualified in legal review um by the by the government agencies that do that kind of stuff um and they had they had uh, announced publicly they were not going to contest it um so so we were just a, kind of a mad scramble the the um to figure out what to do next the um as the dust has settled a little bit the there appears to be only one other bidder um in on the proposal and i've had some conversations with with them and they were clearly it was clearly a super long shot for them. I mean, the um, the prime contractor had the, had the program for 25 years, um, in, in five year, um, five to seven year increments. So they had won the contract over and over and over again over a 25 year period. So so nobody expected to be able to take it away from them. So um, so it was a big surprise to everybody that that the the prime got, you know, the incumbent got disqualified and uh, left one person standing. Um, and so just kind of as something that's interesting, you know. Um, the prime contractor is like a hundred thousand employees or something. So wow. they could clearly, they can clearly absorb a hundred person contract. You know, they have the space, they have the equipment, they have the infrastructure. It doesn't really, it doesn't really affect them in a, in a major way. If they were to win a contract like this, and, and probably it doesn't hugely affect them if they were to lose it. The, the new prime contractor only has 270 employees oh. and they're looking, they're, wow. they're looking at bringing on probably 120, 130 employees for this one program alone. So it's going to add, you know, probably fifty percent to their, to their their employee count. So it's a big deal for them. They they don't have the space. They don't, you know, they don't have the infrastructure. They don't. They're they're, they're clearly uh, overwhelmed. So the government hasn't yet awarded. So we're kind of waiting for that to happen officially, probably in the next month or so. So that's kind of that kind of brings us to where we are today. Um, so over the Christmas break, I started uh, actively looking for a job. I went and updated. We we all had a big laugh about my. My general lack of internet presence and internet sophistication for looking for a job because I've never done it before. So, um, so I, I, I amped up my my LinkedIn presence over the over the holidays and I set my my status to the LinkedIn equivalent of looking for a job and and uh, made a resume. Ben helped me with that a little bit, which was turned out to be awesome. Um, so so 
we started. I've made a new, a new uh, at my daughter's recommendation, I made a new Gmail account that's really just for job searching only. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I've started sending all that out, and we're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. When you say there's a new um, probable prime contractor on the project, does that mean that everyone assumes that because that organization is the last possible one that they're probably going to get it? Or is it still left in the air about whether maybe they'll just, the government will cancel the whole thing? Yeah, well, the thing about using common sense when you're trying to figure out what the government's going to do is... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, you can kind of use common sense. Like, you know, they, the, the program is successful. They do use it on a daily basis for training active duty soldiers. So, um, you know, we are, we, are being, we are fielded and we are being used. And I think it is something that the, that the military depends on. But, you know, what's going to happen in the future is kind of anybody's guess. You could sort of... You could sort of guess that that since since um, we got disqualified during legal review, that legal review is probably complete with the other proposal, okay. and then they're now currently evaluating the last ending proposal for you know compliance and and does it meet all of the can it can they do can they really do all the things they said they're going to do, and then um, they would award. So I think the government has the option of not awarding it, mm-hmm. um, but I, what would happen at that point? I don't really know. They have a bunch of rules about everything. Um, that they're very they're very closed mouthed about. So they don't. This is not a public process in any way. So we nobody really is for sure um, if there's really only one proposal left, um, and there's no schedule or timeline for when things are going to happen. Okay. So, I, I guess dealing with that kind of government contracting situation is maybe a little too in the weeds and outside of um, what most of our listeners' interests are going to be. But I was just curious because I'd never heard of someone being in that situation before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that dissimilar to, to, you know, having a, um, working for a software house and they're trying to get new business and, and they have maybe a big contract hanging in the wind that trying to close and they're, you know, trying to, trying to gather folks and, but they're not really quite ready to go. And you just kind of, you know, you're just kind of, ha- you just kind of blowing in the breeze until, until things solidify a little bit. And a lot of that stuff is not, not public either, you know? So, yeah. So it's, 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 it's pretty analogous, but, but certainly it's, it's more common in the, in the government contracting world. This happens kind of routinely all the time. Does it tend to happen that the, those processes will occur in parallel, that they're, they're trying to land the contract and also moving people through the interview hiring pipeline with the expectation that if they get the contract, they'll have people pretty soon thereafter? Yeah, they, they you know, again, because it's a, in this particular case, because it's such a, a small company, they don't really have, I'm sure, I'm sort of speculating now, but I'm, I'm going to guess they don't have the, the capital to support a bunch of people who they're paying out of their own pocket, you know, pending getting them on, you know, getting them up to speed. So probably what would happen is the process would move forward to some point and then would just get put on pause while everything, everything is going to basically be contingent on government award and government funding. So is that something that you would want to explore if said company wins the contract and they need, obviously the, the role that you fill currently at your job is a role that will continue to be needed for that project in the future so and and who better to do it than someone that has already been doing it for 20 right. years yeah um so is that something that you would per, you'd want to pursue uh if the job opportunity became like if they posted that job description at the new company once it's been awarded that's something that you would go after or are you kind of done with with that whole thing no it, I, I definitely would go after it and in fact um one of the interesting things that's happened as a result of, of being on linkedin and and um and, and kind of using some of the newer technologies is that 
um, I now because I'm I'm open to to new new opportunities. Um, LinkedIn actually is then sort of scrubbing their own internal system and sending me stuff, and then people can also I'm also I guess I guess I'm easier to find in a job search or something from a recruiter point of view. I, I haven't paid for any of the extended um, um, uh, mechanisms. Yeah, that the pro, are, yeah, pro yeah, features. I haven't, right, I haven't paid yeah. for any of that yet, so um, we're just kind of letting it go. But it, but the curious part about it is that the new company did actually post um, jobs, and in the, in, in the job in the job uh, description it says contingent on government funding. So it's kind of a kind of a standard disclaimer, like we're we're looking for folks. So on Friday. Um, a couple weeks ago, they've actually posted the system architect job, which is a, a, a guy I work with. So I sent him, and I saw it on LinkedIn, popped up on my phone. So I sent him the link at work, and I said, "Hey, look, look, dude, it's your job," you know. Right. And he, and he wrote me back, and we had a little funny email exchange about that. And then over the weekend, they posted my job. Mm. So, so it's kind of interesting to to see, you know, on a public at the at the corporate webpage, but a, a publicly available place your exact position being posted, for, you know, they're, tr- they're trying to find people. So. Now, that raises a really interesting question. How closely did the job listing for your job track with what you do at your job? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good yeah, question. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I when I read through it, I was like, oh, they should have called me. I could have helped them with this. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I mean, it, pretty close, but not not entirely. Much like most job descriptions, it's you know it's a usually a an amalgamation of maybe some accurate stuff, maybe some stuff that they've made up, maybe some stuff that the recruiter just made a guess about. Yeah. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that as as part of the whole entertainment of the whole thing, I did an, I did apply, um, and and I'm sure your 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 listeners will get a chalk a lot of I you know I went through the same sort of rigmarole where. Post your resume and then answer these fifteen questions that are basically all the same questions that you just gave you know information in your resume. So I found that whole process to be kind of annoying. Um, but but one of the things that was funny was one of the questions they asked was um, you know how are you qualified to have this particular job? <laughs> um, you know and and the, and the question was actually worded like how are you qualified to have you know this specific position? And I and my answer was I am doing that you know, specific <laughs> position. Yeah. Right. So I, I am uniquely qualified in the whole world. To, to have this job because I'm currently the only one doing it. It kind of reminds me of the story of, uh, I forget what city it was, but at some point Arnold Schwarzenegger was filming a movie. And so one of the morning radio talk shows uh, had this call-in um, impersonation contest and he called in and he got like a third. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't even win. Yeah. Dude, you just don't have, you don't have the inflection down. Right. How is this with, let's kind of broaden it out a little bit to just kind of your search overall. How has this search uh, compared to the previous times that you've searched for a job? And to kind of, to give our listeners some context, if you haven't listened to the other episode, this is the first time that my dad has really seriously searched for a job uh, since the late 90s. <laughs> so it's been quite a long time that he's been in this position um, and and he hasn't needed to, to search, you know, seriously search for a new job in a long time. Um, so, you know, t- again, t- for some context on that, we're talking like late '90s. The internet does exist, but it's it's not nothing the like the way it is now. Pretty much, n- more or less, none of the services that are now available online to do job searching probably really existed in any kind of serious form then. Um, and I, I think probably you know passing around paper resumes was a much more common thing. Um, so there's there's a big difference there between the way it did it work then and the way it works now. How has that kind of manifested for you kind of in this specific search? 
Uh, yeah, it's very different. I, I, I never even, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me this time to have any resumes printed. Um, I, I didn't, until you just mentioned it, I thought, mm, maybe I should have had some printed. And it's like, well, I haven't needed any actually. So, so that I'm not mailing them out. I'm not fussing over the, the letterhead and the quality of the paper and the certain color and all the things that we used to, that people used to say were important and that we used to fuss about back in the day. It's just not even an issue, not even on the radar screen this time. So, so this time um, I went to a couple of very specific web pages that's kind of support the kind of work that I do. And I, and I posted some, um, I posted a, a profile and I created a, you know, a profile for myself and, and then specifically on LinkedIn. And then I started sort of trolling the job boards and, and applying. What, what I am kind of finding, and, and this is probably maybe a fairly common thing, and it surprised me a little bit, is that, is that the, the active part that I'm doing where I'm going to, I'm finding a job that's interesting, I'm, I'm going to the company's webpage, I'm applying through their web portal, um, I'm not getting, I'm not getting much back from that. I, you know, I, I get sort of the, the, the general email, you know, thanks the automated email, you know, thanks for applying. We'll get in touch if we're interested kind of thing. But there, I, I think it's really easy to get lost in the noise when you're doing that. Um, so that, that, that I was actually excited about being able to do sort of, Hey, I can look for a job in the comfort of my own home in my, uh-huh. in my pajamas, you know, in yep. the morning while I'm having right. my coffee. And, and while it's, I've been able to make some. I've been able to do some stuff and make some progress. It hasn't. It doesn't seem like I'm getting any traction. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really seem super effective. Where the the counter thing, which has been surprising, is that the various web pages and, and including on LinkedIn have done a pretty good job of actually scrubbing jobs that I might be interested and in, sending them to me, and then particularly sending recruiters to me, um, having recruiters find me, and then the recruiters then ping me. And then we start a conversation, and that that obviously goes much better because they're already interested in you when they when they reach out. So so the curation that's being done kind of on the web on my behalf is actually turned out to be super helpful, which completely took me by surprise. I think that's maybe the, the secret of uh, of the modern job search online is that um, the let's go to a website, find a job posting, click the button, fill out their 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 very repetitive form hit the and hit the submit button and and see what happens is basically that very likely goes into uh at worst a bit bucket that no one looks at <laughs> and at best it gets in front of a hiring manager and they maybe spend 10 seconds looking at your application and 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 probably scrubbing you for some particular reason and then you never hear back and that's why it's fairly radio silent for you as a candidate uh, i can say that um, being on the hiring manager side now that, that I am in my current job where I'm going through the hiring process, uh, just as many times as kind of you might go out and find a site, a job description and apply for it, there are probably, you know, a 10x amount of people doing that same that thing least. for the job. And so then the hiring manager has to scrub through dozens and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of applications, probably 90% of which are are in no way relevant to the job you're actually hiring for. Yeah. 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 It's like an immediate, it's an immediate scrub because of, for, you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, So I think everyone kind of thinks that's a good way to do it, but, but I think what you've discovered, which is uh, having these systems bring jobs to you. And even more importantly, having the system bring hiring managers and recruiters to you, I think is a much better use of your time than, 
what I like to call blind applying, where you just go to a site, find a job, hit the couple buttons, and and send in a you know a request like, hey, I'm interested in this job. I I want to learn more about it. That seems to be to me the sort of the least likely path to success. Whereas having the jobs come to you is is seems like it works a lot better. Yeah, it's it's definitely it, it definitely sort of feel like the pump has been primed when the recruiters are reaching out to me. It, it and it also makes me. Um, sort of recognize the deficiencies that I have in my, in my, um, you know, my online presence, you know, certainly I, I've never been that motivated to be, a, a, to be uh, popular from a social media point of view. So <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've never paid much attention to it um, as far as what needs to be done or whatever, but I'm definitely getting the, getting the vibe from this process that, that if I had, if, if I had the ability to sort to sort of more carefully curate sort of my, 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 you know, like people curate their Instagram personality, right? right? That's the, exactly the, the service I was going to suggest to you. Those pictures yeah, of you yeah. at the workstation, probably, <laughs> probably blurred out because it's a defense related thing. So probably there's classified <laughs> restrictions on showing your workstation. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, if I was able to sort of the, sort of the, the same in the same way that somebody can take what probably is not a super exciting life. And turn it into a very glamorous. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm always doing fun stuff, and I never have any, you know, any sad time. You know, from a presence point of view, right? That if I if I could do that from a resume point of view or from a job marketing sort of point of view online, I think it would be helpful. And I think when people do reach out to me, I, I often think, well, I should go sort of fix up my LinkedIn presence to make it to make me more attractive. But I, I just really don't have the sophistication to be able to do it. I've poked at it a little bit. I've kind of read a little bit. And I haven't spent a huge amount of time on it. But it's it's I'm finding it to be challenging to do just from a casual interest point of view. I mean, you know, I, I could spend more time on it, I'm sure. But but um, I, I, I kind of feel poorly equipped to manage my, my Internet personality. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, is certainly... Uh an artifact of like the last probably five to eight years where having an online presence um, in general, you know, that there's people who are famous for being famous, right? They're just sort of somehow have become the good at that. And they've become famous, uh, you know, internet famous or Instagram famous or whatever uh, for just having an interesting life or what looks like an interesting life. Like you said, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of curation and let's make it look like we're always having fun, even though that's obviously not true. Um, but something that I've noticed for me and, and in the people that I have followed that, um, uh, that are doing this well is it's also possible to do that even in a professional setting. So what, like what you're saying, um, is where you want to kind of show that same, you want to sort of have that same goal, but doing it in a professional way. So something that I've done is, and I talked about this before on the show, is that I have curated my Twitter feed to be mostly people who are in the iOS world, developers, whether they work for big companies or they work for uh, they work for themselves, they're indies or something. Um, and I've tried to create a community. It's a small community. I have like I think close to 500 followers on Twitter, so that's nothing by comparison to you know some people. But it's it's a few people, and and I've been able to kind of create this community of other developers um, so that. In theory, if I needed something, I might be able to get some response from some of those people and and have them help me with a technical question. Or if I announced that I was looking for a job or something, I might be able to get a little bit of a boost uh, from some of those things and and maybe get in front of some people that might not otherwise see my, let's say, my resume, for example. Um, So it is possible to do that. 
And I, I, I follow people, for example, that have like over 50,000 followers on Twitter. So in that case, they really do have a pretty good signal boost. And if they did, if they were to announce, I'm looking for a job, it's pretty likely that they would get all, they would get inundated with all kinds of, you know, offers for, hey, come interview here, come interview there, come talk to us. And it's because of that signal boost from that follower count. So I think it's doable. I don't know if it's feasible for you to do at this point in your career like that requires a, a very significant investment and i just don't know that that would be that that would pay that many dividends to you especially in the industry that you work in you know you work in an industry that's kind of secret on purpose yeah right. yeah it is a, it is a limitation i mean i, I kind of have curated my social media presence on purpose to be to be pretty dampened and in your line of work that's probably for the best um but but I, I do just kind of want to make the point to sort of our broader listenership that it is possible to do what my dad's talking about and have a uh, I mean you know I I have all kinds of thoughts about like the the fake Instagram life of everything's wonderful all the time and I'm not advocating for something, something like that. What I'm saying is it is possible to create a social media presence that um, can help you professionally and also not make you look bad professionally. That's another issue with social media is that it's very easy to end up in a scenario where you're presenting something to the world that an employer might look at and go, oh boy, this is not, this is not someone I, wanna, I want on my team. Um, so it is possible to both have signal boosts for you professionally and be able to you know, comport yourself in a way that is, is professional and won't, look, and won't look bad to employers. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that that really has struck me that that's different now than how it used to be is you know before when I when I was in my twenties or even in my early thirties and I had a job and you work somewhere and people you know came and went they literally came in and out of your life I mean you worked with people they'd leave and go get a different job and yep, sometimes you just you, yeah you just never see them again um, and sometimes they were they were they were great people they were good friends they were people I would unhesitatingly work with again you know no no questions asked. Um, and so one of the things that's kind of neat about the new modern age for this is that I can keep in touch with those people yeah. through through the various various ways. And that that has actually turned out to be probably the most significantly um, helpful thing that I've done in the last, say, 10 years, um, both with, with is, is having a social media presence where I've made it made a point to engage in folks and try to sort of, you know, one of the things that we do now when somebody le leaves the job, it's like, hey, let's get connected on on whatever, right? Sure. Some, some social media presence. And, and I have done that. And I've and I, and I have put out on there that, you know, that the program's winding down, and I am looking for a job. And that's actually turned out to be really helpful. So I've gotten some really good leads um, from that. So that that's something that that probably I, 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 I wouldn't do kind of much not my really default behavior. I'm not kind of a, a person who stays in touch and calls you up a year after we've seen each other last or sends you a Christmas card or I'm, you know, that's just kind of not my personality, but I do find it easy to maintain those relationships um, over time and, and distance, you know, through the, through the social media sites. So that's really, that's worked out well. When you say you get connected on some social media site or another, are, are there alternatives to LinkedIn that you use for that purpose? Well, I, primarily for me, it's it's been uh, it's been LinkedIn and Facebook really are the two okay. ones that are that I, where I end up being connected the most. Um, you know, Facebook kind of has its ups and downs, and I've very carefully managed my Facebook presence to to have limited um, limited professional interaction there but i am friends with a lot of people that i work with on facebook and i get to see their families and their kids growing up and all that kind of stuff so just just from a way to be able to reach out and get a hold of somebody it's been helpful so for this uh this search that you're doing now um how 
maybe does this feel different today in February than it did when you first started? What are, um, if there's anything kind of, you know, it's been going on for a couple of months now. So uh, does it feel different now than it did when it's, when you started? And, and um, did you maybe expect it to be at this point, you know, back in November, what are your thoughts kind of now compared to when it, a couple months ago when it started? It, it, it is different for sure. It's the same, you know, and it's, I just still don't have, still don't have a, a future that's well-determined, but you know, we all are kind of in that boat to, to some extent, right? Everybody's kind of in the same boat. Um, originally when it first happened and I was sort of reacting to it when we had our, our, our last talk in November, th- there was a lot of confusion in my mind about, you know, I have a lot of experience and I'm a senior level guy and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm paid well. So, I was thinking this is kind of going to be pretty black or white. I think this is going to be people either going to be clamoring for me and my skills and, and, you know, I'll have lots of great opportunities I can pick from, or it's just going to be crickets. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm outside the window of, of, of um, optimum employability. I'll be 61 in March. So somebody who's looking to hire me figures, you know, the guy's got five years left or whatever, um, which is probably about right. So I just didn't know. I just didn't know how it was going to go. I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't get a feel for it. And so I just drugged my feet all through December, not really doing anything. And then decided over Christmas, Hey, let's just, let's just get it in gear and see what happens. Um, and then, you know, so you put your name out there and then of course, you know, I'd be waiting for the next day for somebody to call me with this amazing job offer, which, you know, which, which, it which never happen. happens. Yeah. Which, which, which it didn't happen. But I have actually, over time, over a couple of weeks, gotten some really interesting pings from folks that I've engaged with and had some, and had some, I haven't gotten a job offer out of it, but um, I have gotten some, I'm in, in current talks with, with probably three or four different recruiters that I think might turn into something. Um, so, so that's very exciting. So it's, 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 it's kind of converted itself to, to being, oh, this is not going to work out to, and we're gonna, and I'm, of course, telling telling Ben's mom, telling my wife, we're likely to have to move. We, we need to really put all the options on the table. This this almost anything could happen at this point. We we really could be almost in any sort of situation in a couple months. Um, and we we just moved three years ago, just to give a little bit of the briefest background. We moved three years ago. Kids are growing out of the house. We moved a couple years ago. We have a house that we thought was going to be our forever home. Um, we moved a little bit out in the country, so we have a little bit of elbow room. It's really nice. We like it. We're comfortable here. So we fix it up a little bit. We The last house we lived in for 21 years, and the, the, the best that it looked was the day we moved out. Um, you know, this house we fixed up right away, thinking that we would live here for a while and we would get to enjoy it. So so we really don't want to move, right? The bottom line of that is we really don't want to move. But we would if we had to. We understand what the situation is. And we we had a family meeting. Ben Ben was there with... Um, with, with his partner and, and our daughter was there with her partner and we talked about the options and we kind of agreed as a family that we could make a family decision about what made the most sense for our family. So that was, that was, that was nice. That was really nice for, for, for my wife and I to hear that, that uh, we could work something out. And, and the most interesting thing that's happened in the la- just in the last week is um, I applied to the I, as we talked about I applied to the prime contractor. They called me. We had some conversation. They actually had an open house, which I went to. There was a whole bunch of people that I worked <laughs> with that were there. That was kind of fun. <laughs> so I got to see on the when we signed in, I saw all the names, and then of course people were milling around. Did you offer any kind of package deal? That, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that when you talk to them one on one, which I have, I, I you say, I, I I've been identified by by the companies that are involved as a as a person who is a, one of the core individuals for the program. So I'm on their I'm on their their hot list of people to get. Um, and I've told them I've made some comment in in the two interviews that I've had. I'd, I'd like to come, but I don't want to be the only one. I'm, who else have you yeah. got, right? And they're not giving me names, but but they have they have both times I've talked to two different people, and both times people have laughed. It's like yeah, everybody says that. So it's interesting that that uh, nobody wants to be the only one. I mean, the thing about it is when you're going to take your job and you're going to move it physically from one place to another, and you're going to get a different company managing it, it it's almost guaranteed to be not as good as it used to be, at least for some period of time. And like any job every day is not great so you know when you look at it from a point of view of hey we're going to take we're going to take your job and we're going to do this to it and it's going to get more frustrating and have more friction and be just sort of less easily doable across the board yeah you know it's already some days are already pretty tough and and if you add to that and and you're not going to have anybody knowledgeable working with you that knows what the heck they're doing it's even less attractive yeah so having those sort of shared the people that you've already worked with that'll help kind of ease that a little bit and that and that really kind of makes the job right it's the people you work with and the work that you do it's i i don't really care the company that i work for they're not doing anything for me specially so it's really about some continuation of the of the of the work and the people and i've got in this particular case i've got 20 years invested in it and i've built some of these of the mechanisms and the structures and the databases and stuff that we have at work I built them out of my head from the ground up and worked on them for, you know, 10 plus years. And I really would, at this point, really hate to see somebody take it over and make a mess out of it. I mean, you can't, you can't completely control it, but. You had mentioned a bit ago that you've had good contact with recruiters through LinkedIn. Uh, I'm curious to hear more about that and how well versed in your industry they seem, how familiar with you they seem to be. That's been, that's been really interesting to have somebody reach out to you kind of cold, but know a lot about you because of your online presence. I've, I, it, it was a little weird and off-putting at first, but I, I've, I've really come to, to appreciate the sort of pre-filtering that happens as a result of it and, and puts the folks that I'm talking to in it. They're already, they've already been sort of all the people that I don't want to talk to have kind of been weeded out, which is nice. How does that compare to when you interface with recruiters like in the 90s? Uh, and I mean, I guess at best, they might have your resume, a paper version of their of your resume. That would be probably all they would know about you, if if at all. Otherwise, they might just see, oh, this person works at this company. Let me contact them and see if they might be interested in this other opportunity. And they come in kind of blind. Is that is that how it worked before where they just really didn't have you know much knowledge about you at all? Yeah, d- definitely. There was definitely a lot of, of very poor fitting opportunities that were that were pushed in front of me, pushed at me by the recruiting community. I think a lot of cases, what would happen is you'd send, you'd see an interesting job, you'd send a resume a resume off. They would scan it or somehow get it in their local database, and then everybody who was a recruiter at that company would then see you for all eternity. And and you know, six months later, somebody would want you to move to you know, Des Moines for half your pay Uh for some three month contract job that was just, you know, it was just awful across the board and and maybe even a very poor fit for my technical skills, but, you know, had the word SQL in it somewhere. Uh, 
Um, and so it was just a lot of, you know, like you said, it's a lot of looking at looking at folks, candidates that are really just not at all qualified for the job. My experience with recruiters before was it was just a lot of talking to recruiters that didn't know what they were doing, didn't really understand the industry, and were just trying to jam any warm body in the seat and just didn't really care whether you were suited to the job or not. To be fair, that still happens. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, not gone. yeah, yeah, for sure. But it, it's it's definitely it, it's definitely a, a much more pleasant experience. I, I mean, I've been it's it's as we're recording this, it's what the middle of February, so I've had an active profile on LinkedIn for let's say two months and I've probably only talked to maybe probably eight recruiters total and maybe half of those conversations have have, got, have led to a second conversation so it's it it hasn't been it, it hasn't been unpleasant I, I was I really looking for a job is always I always have kind of dealt with it from a with trepidation you know because you just don't it, it can be it could be just fairly uncomfortable lots of aspects to it but but so far it hasn't been too bad, and it, it's very similar in some ways to like buying a car, where you just sort of think like, oh, I'm gonna have to go into the dealership and spend the next four hours, you know, in this high stress scenario. Except it's like that, except that it takes six months, right? right. Like, yeah, yeah, same, yeah, yeah. Well, and same we same high stress situation, and we and we joked about it. You and I did one one night about you know, they're gonna bring me in and you know put me in front of a group of twenty five year olds and then make me work out some problem on a whiteboard, <laughs> right? Which right. Which, you know, I mean, you guys are teachers. And so, and I think a lot of that is kind of a weed out yep. thing to me, honestly. And so as a teacher, right, both of you guys have been in the situation. If if I'm a hiring manager and I say, hey, the interviews have gone well, we'd like to bring you in. And during that process, we're going to put you in front of a small team of people and we're going to have you work a problem out on a whiteboard. You're like, okay, no problem. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I they, they emailed me and said, hey, we're going to have you do this. And, and Ben had totally called it, which was, which was hysterical. Uh, and and I just looked at it like, okay. And I just emailed it back. I'm like, I was an adjunct instructor at a local college for six years. I don't have any problem at all working out working out a problem on in public and you know in front of an audience. So, uh, you know, what what else you got? <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is either you either you know or you don't know. But it but I think for a lot of folks that that they're just trying to scare you off just to see who they can just shake loose. One of the things that's happened that. Just in fact, just two days ago, I was out with my wife. We were running some errands, and she was actually in Publix. And I ended up on a phone call with a recruiter who's actually working for one of the subcontractors, uh, potentially on the new contract. Um, and, and we had a, an hour-long conversation where we talked, and and they they he admitted very candidly to me, which you don't always get in a in a, that kind of a of a conversation, that that uh, it was a long shot win for them, and and they. They, they obviously recognize they have to score some specific talent or they're just not going to be successful. And, and he just freely admitted like right up front, like you're, you're one of those people that's a must, a must get for us. So it made, me, it made me feel better kind of in the big picture that there's going to be, I'll have some opportunity to get a, have a job going forward and I'll probably get some choice. Um, things will work out. Ben's, Ben's mom, my wife, has been telling me, think, honey, you know, things are going to work out. But it doesn't always seem that way. You just don't know. The, the, the crystal ball just is not very clear sometimes. And I think for like for our audience, which is probably a decent portion of them are, are juniors, I feel like they often feel very anxious and very worried about the job search 
you know, they finish their training, which, which is whatever they end up getting. Um, and then they're out kind of looking for a job as a junior. And I think they feel very unsure about their skills and about, you know, are people going to people going to accept me and 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 uh, and be excited to work with me? And, and are my skills valuable and that kind of thing? And I think in your case, you don't have I feel like you probably don't have that same level of trepidation about your skills, but being soon to be 61, you know, from, and, and you're kind of entering the, the final parts of your professional career, there's probably other trepidation there about like, are people, like you said, kind of, am I past the prime hiring window of a person in this industry? And is that going to be something that's going to hold me back? Right. And I think, uh, you know, students and, and junior developers feel that way about like their skills and, and maybe that they're too young to be taken seriously. Um, if they are, particularly young and it's interesting that it's probably um you know that there's a similar amount of of anxiety around am i am i undesirable because like you said if i'm going to work for another let's say five years some companies probably would think that'd be totally fine and other companies are going to say well we, we'd really like to hire someone and have them stick around for you know a decade or more um and that might then be a hindrance to you to getting that position um so it's it's interesting to see the kind of the, the similarities there between the beginning of your career and and the sort of the final stages of your career, how it can be the the issues can be similar. Yeah, very much so. I I think that the feeling is very similar. I, I've I've actually debated about do I want to put down thirty five years of experience on my resume as it, it just clearly identifies me as somebody who's you know at least in their late fifties probably, or at least mid fifties, right? So it's that's something that I've I struggled with, but it is what it is. I, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go with what you got. I, I can remember, just, just counting the days till I got to that magic two years of experience point, and right. and being so happy about it, and and trying to find a job, and trying to hustle up a new job, and make more money, and um, and and now I'm about kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, but I still, I, I, I still enjoy going to work. I still enjoy being a DBA. I still, I still want to make a difference. I think I got one probably one good shot left in me you know to to get to get another 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 thing going and and the the thing is like in the, particularly with this this specific program it's a 10-year contract so i i it's very unlikely i'm going to be still working there when i'm 71 so they're going to have to we're, we're going to have to have a, a, a you know a, a transition plan for me kind of at the very beginning they the the team was a three-person team in the old program and the two two people have have left the program and they're not they're not going to be replaced so now it's just down to me it was me for a long time all by myself and i'm comfortable with that but if we go forward and we end up with a new contract somewhere we're probably going to have to carefully position the 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 junior level person to be somebody that that i could eventually switch places with honestly they i'll be the team lead for a couple years and they can be the team lead and i can be the ptr guy and then eventually i can be the retired guy that's kind of my that's kind of my plan You'd said you'd felt pretty good about the job search, but not all the time. And I think that's something that the juniors listening to the program would be uh, sort of heartened, probably, to hear that they have some company in that. What, what's been your emotional experience of the job search from the day it had to start until now? Oh, you know, it's been such a roller coaster. It, uh, from an emotional point of view, it's just been such a roller coaster. I, I, I'm not really one to be... Um, affected too much by emotional highs and lows. I'm a pretty sort of steady guy. It's but, a bulky trait. Uh, wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but this has just really just been just completely for me just completely out of control. I mean, one I don't have any control over it, so you, you're just stuck with sort of being on the on the job roller coaster and letting things work out how they work out. But but we've we've been it, it seemed like oh you know the sky's falling. The initially when they announced it, um, it was in like week before thanksgiving and the 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 government had handed us given us contracts in six month increments and the contract was was expiring on december 11 so there was some possibility that you know hey we've been flushed and in two weeks we're all going to be without a job right It, it, it there was there was there was a possibility that it could be just very abrupt as as it turns out they they ended up sort of downsizing the project by a little bit um, and then extended us for another six months. So now I'm, I'm currently employed through June 11. But so that, so you're like, oh my God, I come home and told my wife, oh, you know, we could be living in our car by next weekend. Oh right? and, and then, and then that kind of evaporated. And then, and then we, and then I took, I just, let's just enjoy Christmas. I'm not going to do anything about it for the next couple of weeks. And then Christmas came, I, I got all excited and I amped up all my, you know, online presences and then you just kind of sit back and wait. And then of course, you know, Two weeks went by and nothing happened. And to be fair, looking for a job in December, January is like the worst time Yeah, to it's do very that, so. tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Agreed. December, I think, worse than January, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So certainly early... Or the first week in January is also pretty dead. Yeah, that's fair. So so I, I didn't I didn't really get too super excited about it. But it was... Again, it's the kind of thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this after 25 years of not doing it. I'm, I'm doing this. And then, and then it, I did it and then nothing happened. So that was that was kind of funny. And then I did I did actually get a chance to follow some of the advice that you guys gave me last time we talked. Where I I, I I'm engaged in a couple of meetups. I'm engaged in a couple of organizations. I'm not really much of a joiner, so that's been a little bit of a stretch for me. And I did end up giving a talk at one of the meetups that was that that seemed to go pretty well. And um, I'm on the hook to maybe give another talk or two in the next say in the next two months. Which organization is that? Uh, so the one I talked with was the one that Ben runs, the local Orlando tech iOS, okay, iOS Orlando, right? And then he's he's slated to give a talk at Odev's um, soon. Oh. Yeah, to, date exact date to be worked out, but but at some point in the near future. Okay. So that so that's kind of fun, it, and it and it I think it gets you the opportunity to sort of to put your face and and your situation in front of a lot of people that you wouldn't normally yep. see, people that wouldn't normally. Uh, hook up with so and it's been fun i i actually have enjoyed it i i really was kind of when you guys when ben was pushing me that direction last time and this is kind of the same just so you know it's the same advice he gives off camera (laughs) so So, uh, i it was tough a little bit of a stretch but it's worked out it's actually been fun so that that's kind of cool I'm surprised to hear you say that it had been a stretch because I know, as you said, you'd, you'd taught before and certainly your presentations when we were at the Iron Yard and you would come in for guest lectures always went very well and, uh, and I thought you had a good time doing them. Uh, were these meetup presentations uh, similar to those or are you kind of covering new ground? You know, a, a little bit new ground, and I think that's the part that made me a little bit uncomfortable was the the class presence that I had. I, I kind of knew the audience, and I knew they were interested in it. Um, uh, when I taught school, obviously they had to come because I was the teacher. Uh-huh. You know, they don't have much choice. And when when I gave the presentation at the Iron Yard, when you guys would would you guys would sort of prep the students 
and 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 you and then Ben would sort of prep the the guest lecturer in me in this case and sort of say you know the students have just learned about this and they've just learned about that and so this is going to fit in well and if you can kind of give them examples okay. about that so you there was you know you get a little bit of a sense of there they have some interest in what you're doing yeah okay whereas whereas the and also all my previous lectures have all been done uh, in person so the one thing that was interesting about the ODEVs lecture was it was it was a small group and it was done entirely on the computer so when it was my turn to make the presentation i just sat in my in my in my home office and i just talked to my pc oh okay so that was a little a little weird just from a from a you know logistics point yeah. of view but i got i got some feedback from ben later saying that he thought it went well and it and it didn't at least didn't have any any uh, equipment or hardware hiccups or anything like that so they could hear me and all that kind of stuff. We did an entirely virtual meetup for the the, the January iOS meetup. I see. Just something you're experimenting with? Yeah, something we're experimenting with. And, and my dad came and gave a, a, a database talk. I guess an advantage of that is now you, you probably have a recording of it that you could make available through LinkedIn or whatever. To... Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it went well. I, and I actually spent, I just spent um, a week in Kansas uh doing a presentation that I do for work, which is a week-long presentation. I give a class. Uh, and it, it, I tell you what, you know, you, you talk for seven or eight hours a day, three, three or four hours in the morning and three or four hours in the afternoon doing presentations. And I had 12 people in the class and they're asking questions and you're on the whole day. I, I was coming home wiped. It's, oh, uh, that, 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 kind of, that kind of presentation tempo is, is pretty tough to sustain. But again, kind of happy in the sense that if it counts as a presentation... I, I was able to, as part of the standard conversation that we had back and forth, I was able to let them know that you know that I am currently looking for a job and if they knew of anybody or whatever. So again, a group of people I wouldn't normally have direct contact with who had some, at the end of the class, they have good knowledge of, of me and my, my personality and whatever else. So that that's that was that was also useful i think i think um i don't know if anything will come of it but it was it was a it was it's useful to get your name out there and it's really it's really networking really that's what kind of what it comes down to i think good advice to, to try and think of um opportunities to sprinkle the fact that you're looking for a job into situations that might not that might not be super obvious because like you said you never know what might come of that probably nothing but but there even if there's a, a chance you know a one chance in 10 that maybe so that person that heard that in a couple of weeks hears of something that might be you know a good fit for you there's that opportunity right and it's certainly if you don't take the opportunity to share that information it very likely won't happen whereas if you do share it at least there's a chance that it might happen and that's i think really good advice to to try and remember like when you're in job search mode always be looking for opportunities to sprinkle in to conversations when it's appropriate. You don't want to be annoying, but like when it's appropriate, right, that you're looking for a job and that, um, you know, people might be able to help you do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, and I think one of the things that that has helped me, helps help position me to be, to be somebody that people would think of first if they needed some help is um, we. T I talked about this a little bit with with some folks that were in Kansas and 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 the guy made some comment. I, I'm not gonna. I don't remember his exact words, but it was essentially, "Hey, remember those times when it was three in the morning and we were working trying to get something fixed? You you were always there and you, and you were somebody who I could count on. You I could count on you to stay late and I could." We, we got a bunch of work done and, and we fixed it and, and you, you came in the next day and we just kept right on trucking. And those are the kinds of people that I need, that I want to work with. 
So it was, it's, you're, you're really making the, you're really making the most, the most lasting impression on someone when, when the job is the hardest. Yeah. When the chips are down and it's really, you know, crunch time, uh, are you the one that comes through for people? And, and that, I think that carries a lot more weight than it might seem like at the time. Um, but people do remember those things and, and they, you know, that, that makes them think of you in times where maybe there's an opportunity that they could help you get right. That they're like, Oh man, Joe really was there. And, and this opportunity seems like a great fit. I'm, I'm going, I've immediately thought of him and now I'm going to try and see if I can, you know, create a connection there to, to see if something might work out. Yeah. That that's, that's probably been the best seed that I have sown over the last 25 or 30 years is, is, is being somebody that kind of has a, a can-do attitude and, and is willing to sort of get the job done. I mean, the thing that was interesting, I, I giggled to myself. I didn't say anything, but of course, when I was on in Kansas, I'm, I don't I don't live there, so I was on travel. So when the person was sort of commending me for being willing to work late hours and all hours, I'm like, dude, I'm going back to the hotel. I don't care, you know. I mean, it was e- it was easy <laughs> right. in that particular sense, right? Because because I was on travel in the past, right? I, I was on travel, so it was, it was easy. But it, it it does make a difference. I I think of it when I think of people that I've worked with and I put them sort of in my mind into the work with again or don't work with again, it really is how, how much can I depend on this person? It's not, it's not how smart are they or how much do they know about some specific thing or, or whatever. It's really kind of how easy are they to get along with? Have I got to work armpit and armpit for <laughs> hours on end? That sounds disgustingly close. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and can I, can I, can I depend on them to get it done? Right, because anything that they may or may not know, are those are generally things that people can learn, right? So it's not so much a matter of what specific trivia about programming do you bring into this to this environment. It's more how likely are you to, when I say, hey, I need help with this, or can you stay and help me with this problem, or I have this issue or something, how likely are they to say yes and and help you um, and, and be a team player and be someone who contributes and be someone who's reliable? That is... Ultimately, I think what's much more important than, oh, yeah, I know this specific little bit of weird syntax in Swift or something. Yeah, I, I think that the junior folks um, really get really get focused on, I don't know all the depths of specific programming code or language or syntax, or I don't, I don't, I don't know 14 languages or, or whatever, but that's, that's really not an issue. For, for me, if I was going to hire somebody who would be a junior on the team, it would really be about personality and, and, um, sort of general character, right? To be a good DBA, you have to be a little bit OCD and a little bit fussy and a little bit the the kind of person that, you know, rearranges your desk and moves stuff (laughs) around and, you know, doesn't leave the toothpaste with a cap off on your sink. And those, you need somebody that has those kinds of tricks. I can teach somebody how to technically be a DBA, that's that's not a, a super difficult skill to learn, but you need somebody who's willing to to. There's a lot of of backing up and going forward when you're doing data modeling, and you need to be willing to say, "Hey, I fixed this three weeks ago, and now that now the data has changed, or or I have a better understanding of the data, I need to go back and rework this." And you need to just sort you need to sort of suck it up and say, "It needs to be fixed because if I don't fix it now, it's just going to get worse." And that 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 those character traits really are. I could probably devise a, a test for a DBA that took 
place entirely like on a school playground or something doesn't have to be in front of a code editor yeah no all that yeah no it really would be you know how fussy are they about arranging stuff you know how how much how much here here's a picture of some stuff that's out of place how much does this crank on your OCD right 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 yeah that's really the most important part so that that's something that that I think is very very not well understood something that I have gone through many conversations with Ben's sister about she's a, a comp sci graduate but only has about two years of experience and is often very concerned that that she lacks specific skills or, or knowledge and and I, I just don't think I just don't think it's that critical, especially at the two year mark. You've kind of shown that, hey, I can learn something. I mean, for me, if I'm hiring somebody and I say, hey, go do X and they're like, oh, I don't know how. And then the next thing out of their mouth is, let me go see what I can figure out and I'll get back to you. It's like awesome. Yeah, this is the perfect candidate right? Yeah. because they. Yeah. And that's something that I think that that we have. Brian and I have certainly tried to teach our students is uh the, I think probably the two best things you can be as a junior is someone who um, who embraces the growth mindset, which is the idea that failure is not only not a problem, it's actually an opportunity for growth and learning, and that and that failure should be something that you uh, embrace and and something that rather than thinking of it as I don't know how to do this, I'm a failure. It's I haven't figured this out yet, right? The not yet idea of of I don't have this down yet, but I will. I'm going to keep working on it, and I will I will grow into that knowledge and that skill. Um, that and also the idea of of being very willing to kill your darlings. The idea that you you know you put something you put creative energy into something, whether that be you know, if it's a painting or if it's in our case as programmers, if it's a piece of code that you're very proud of, an algorithm, a database design, uh, a UI, some kind of interface um, that you've built, the idea that those things are going to constantly be in flux and things that you've created that you love may no longer serve the purpose that you intended them to serve and you need to kill them, right? You need to sort of get rid of them, wipe the slate clean, or at least tear down some of that infrastructure and build up a different one to better serve the needs of the application that you that you need to be comfortable with that idea of this kind of constant creation destruction creation cycle um, and you should never get too attached to any of those ideas uh, because they're great when they work and then and then they tend to be kind of a hindrance to you when they don't work anymore for the needs of the application um, so I think growth mindset and and being able to kill your darlings and and uh, you know know that you're always on a a journey to better understanding and, and being better at your craft. If you can have those two things, then I think you can accomplish anything in, in the development world. I mean, and certainly for you, um, you didn't start out learn, doing, learning about or doing any of really the things that you now do professionally, right? In the, in the eighties, when you graduated college and you got your first job, those skills while transferable are not the same things that you're now doing and I think that's another thing that juniors get stuck on is like, well, should I learn JavaScript or should I learn Swift or should I learn this or that? And because I'm going to be stuck in this for the rest of my career, that's what they think. Um, and that is just not true. Like I, I'm not doing the thing that I learned in school. Brian's not, Brian was, you were in a totally yeah. different industry when you, when you were in school. So it's uh, the cool thing is that you're not stuck in any particular thing. So if you can kind of have that growth mindset and that idea that I'm going to constantly evolve, um, I think you'll be set. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that's the thing that puts the, the point on it exactly. All right, then I think that makes a pretty good point to uh, to wind up. Joe, thanks very much for coming on and letting us know the, how things are going. And we look forward to hearing again soon. And may, maybe next time will be the last time, right? And 
Yeah, c- come back at some point and tell you I found a job. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. So we'll, uh, we'll pause here for today. And uh, Ben, if our listeners would like to know more about the show, where can they go? What can they do? So everything you need to know about the website and our show is available at NBC.FM, where you can listen to all of the episodes that we've posted so far, learn how to subscribe, and we're available pretty much anywhere podcasts are sold. So if you have a favorite podcast app, just look for Model View Conversation and you can find us. If you're on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app, a rating and review would really help us out. And lastly, if you want to send feedback or give us suggestions for new episodes, we're available on Twitter at MVC Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.